welcome to the Corning Turner Podcast. I'm here today with John Redenbow, and we're going to talk about dreams, which is super exciting for me. So I, for those of you who don't know, I actually have one of them here. I wrote two. One was 80 pages. The other one was 85 pages. I did theses on dream analysis in high school. Uh, I appealed to be able to do a research project. They had this program where seniors could do independent research. And I petitioned to do a lot of independent research before my senior year because I will, I just don't really like the idea of being told what to do. So if I'm interested in something, I'll do a lot of work, but I don't really want you telling me what I need to learn. So <laughs> I petitioned to do this research project and I did need to take certain classes in order to have credits to graduate. So I was not permitted to drop uh, classes to do field research uh, second semester in my junior year because I needed those classes. Uh, to graduate. Um, however, I got permission to take 10 days and go out to San Francisco and study with uh, who became my mentor. Her name is Gail Delaney. She's the founder of the Association for the Study of Dreams. And she was, she, I got certified in her method, which was called the dream interview method. And one of the things I really loved about her method versus most of the others that I had studied and learned about was that all of these other types of dream analysis methodologies, whether it be Jungian, Freudian, or there were, there were several others, um, or even just the dream dictionaries, you're outsourcing your intelligence and your insights to somebody else. So it fosters a dependency model, and it also uh, disconnects you from intuition and from insights. And I also just don't really know how somebody else could be the authority on the wisdom that your dreams provide. So I didn't like that, but I loved her method because it empowered the dreamer themselves to with tools to be able to do the decoding. So all this to say, I'm super excited about this topic. Uh, and John has a fascinating ex uh, history and experience of how he even got into this and the people that he's worked with uh, from all different uh, you know, realms of life, including even working with uh, the FBI and some military. So really, really interesting stuff. So without further ado, welcome. How are you doing today? Wow, that was an amazing introduction. Oh, <laughs> you like hit it out of the park. I have so many questions. You like touched on the whole realm of like your thesis. First of all, who does a thesis on dreams in high school? Am I right? I mean, 85 pages, your parents had to be incredibly proud. Uh, I think they were. I hope they were. Um, I was a strange kid. So my mom went back to school when I was about six years old, and I was born with a lot of physical challenges. So I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals in my early childhood. Like I had my first surgery when I was three months old. And so I spent a lot of time with my mom. And when she went back to school, actually, I'll never forget it because <laughs> I was six years old and she asked me, we, we were outside like on the deck and it was dusk. So, you know, the sun was about to set and she says to me, I'm bored. And I knew for some reason she didn't mean like, normally when she said she was bored, it meant we were going to Bloomingdale's, but it was dusk and my mom doesn't drive in the dark. So I knew we were not going to Bloomingdale's, uh, but for some reason I knew she meant existentially. And I asked her, I said, well, what, what do you want to do? And she said, I think I'm going to go back to school. And uh, I, I don't know why I responded this way. It was like a flash of me three decades later. Um, but I said to her, well, I don't really like the idea because it means you won't have that much time for me, but I think you need to do this, so you should. Um, and so she did, 
but I did, it, my, my fear was exactly what happened. She obviously didn't have the same kind of time for me. And so I started reading um, her textbooks. So I started reading Freud when I was, well, you know, before that, I when she was studying to get into school, I was like, I loved puzzles. I did a lot of that because of my eye. I wore patch over my sighted eye every other day of my childhood. And so I had to do a lot of these eye exercises and a lot of them were puzzle oriented. So when she had, she did not like math. And so when she had to do the trigonometry for uh, GREs, I, I thought it looked like puzzles and it looked really fun to me. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll work with you on it. I'll help you. Um, <laughs> but then when she went back to school, I started reading Freud when I was nine. I would read like Psychology Today uh, once a week and tell her, we, we can talk about this. It's not pulling you away from your work. So it's very strange. Uh, that was a long-winded way of saying that. Um, wow. But I did petition to do the research project, and it was very much structured like a dissertation. <laughs> the first semester, you do a review of the literature, and then the second semester, you do field uh, research. And even though I couldn't drop classes, I did do the 10-day uh, certification is what it was. I went out to San Francisco, um, and then I conducted research doing uh, – I, I, it was a – I'll give you just really briefly, even though sorry hasn't been brief, um, but <laughs> just a little longer. But I did like a the MMPI, which is personality testing, mm. um, and then I conducted dream interviews, and uh, you know that was uh, mostly the methodology behind the research. The initial study that I had proposed, I proposed to Columbia Presbyterian. It was a um, I, I wanted to do essentially a human brain study. And they told me, they, they laughed in my face and they told me that I would need an MD, PhD to conduct the study. And they would not let me do that. But that if I were to conduct the study, they told me they were very sure that I would likely receive a Nobel Prize because it would likely be statistically significant. And of course, you know, 15 year old me thought, well, that sounds great. I'll do that. And they said, you know, you probably shouldn't bother because by the time you get your degrees, we'll have already taken that idea and conducted the research ourselves. And in hindsight, I realized that was great gatekeeping um, because there's no reason I need those degrees. I was not the neurosurgeon who was going to slice people's brains. You know, you don't need to be a software engineer. To, uh, you don't need to code to be, you know, to have a software engineering company, right? Mm -hmm. So anyhow, um, but yes, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. And, you know, the, the topic came up because, like I said, I was always looking for research projects because I wanted to do like I, I'm a very hands-on kind of a learner and I'm a very all-consuming kind of learner I don't really like to have like small little segments of like read this do this I I need to dive all in so I was thinking about topics and I was always fascinated by my dreams as a child and I used to do what I learned later was called lucid dreaming so mm, as a child fun. I would have dreams and then you're so rudely waking up awoken by your parents to go to school <laughs> and then it would be cut off and I would always be like well I wanted to know what's going to happen and so the next night I would actually you know as if it was a movie like press the rewind and then uh -huh. continue the dream and then of course sometimes it's I just knew sure. that it was a movie I didn't want to see. And so I, yeah, so all that to say, this whole topic's really fascinating. I've taken up way too much time, but tell me about you. Tell me how did you even get into this field and what, yeah, what was the background? Well, are there any videos on your DIY brain surgery phase? 
because that sounds amazing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, I love how ambitious you were and still are. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> or crazy, but thank you. <laughs> right. You know, I wrote down my first dream when I was 13. Um, I was into journaling or taking a little diary that mostly consisted of the number of demerits and detentions that I got in school. Um, but I did write one dream that was interesting and somewhat profound at 13. And then I didn't cover dreams um, after that until about 2003. Wow. And then 2003, I started writing them down. I'm not exactly sure why, but they seemed important. And so I started writing them down. And then <clears throat> I went through this uh, phase of uh, I, I was looking for my wife at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became aware of a person, a female, and I started having multiple dreams about her. Mm -hmm. And then I had these what I would call like prophetic encounters when you would think, you know, you would have a dream about meeting her parents at the park and then you would randomly drive two or three states away for another meeting and you'd go to some random park that you'd never been to before. And then in real life, her mom and dad are there and you're like, what the heck just happened? And so there was this whole swirl around dreams related to relationships for a period of several years in my life. And then she married somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. and then I thought, oh, dreams are stupid. Why did I think <laughs> dreams meant anything at all? This is the dumbest thing in the world. So I put all my dream journals in a shoebox and threw them in the back of the closet. And I was kind of done with them. Oh. But a year or two later, people, it's like I had a sign on my head. People would ask me, <clears throat> do you know anything about dreams? And I'd be like, why would, why, why would you ask me that? You know? Mm -hmm. And I had spent a fair amount of time looking into my own dreams and trying to interpret them and what does that mean and um, trying to get an understanding, though I was very, very amateurish, pretty naive on what dreams meant back in that phase of my life. And so I assumed what most people do, somewhat of a base level, pretty much literal approach mm -hmm. You know, if you're interested in somebody romantically and you have a dream about them, then you think it's meant to be or mm -hmm. but even though you never actually got married in the dream or had kids together in the dream or whatever, you're just thinking, well, this has to be a good sign. And so not a lot of uh, scientific method, you know, mm -hmm. proving the thesis wrong type of stuff <laughs> right. back then. Um, but we've grown quite a way since then. And so shortly after that, by the way, I yawn a lot, so I have to tell you why. <laughs> because I always have to do this, like this, this. It's because little... you want to get back to your dreams. That's what it is. <laughs> I talk about dreams and I yawn. But I was a vet in the first person golf war, and I got viral pneumonia in the person golf. They call it golf war syndrome, mm -hmm. and so that had a level of impact on my lungs. And then I was a rescue worker at Ground Zero after 9/11 for 10 days, oh. and so there was 9/11 or Ground Zero cough, and then that. You know, I've been coughing for the better part of 20 years, just getting that crap that we inhaled out of my lungs. And of course, I got COVID as well. Um, so I was part of a bioweapon attack. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I've had these three things. And so Arguably, a lot of times. Ground Zero is bioweapon. I would argue all three might have been. Yeah. Bioattack related. <laughs> but uh, so. For some reason, when I start talking in earnest. Mm hmm. I don't know if it's my breath just trying to modulate mm -hmm. itself. You know, I've looked into the whole yawning thing. and I used to cough quite a bit. and People would always be like, oh, my gosh, are you sick? Do you have a cold? And I'm like, no, I just have this cough. I wouldn't even notice it. So sometimes yeah. I 
clear my throat or need a drink, but it's most noticeable when I'm a guest on a show and I'm yawning <laughs> and people are like, what are you like, bored, wow. dude? And I'm like, no. I no. would say I was boring you, but you were boring yourself. <laughs> yeah. It, it's only when I talk. I don't yawn when you talk, you know, so, but yeah, so, so people would ask me, what do you, uh, you know, can you interpret a dream or can I tell you my dream? Right. And honestly, I was in this phase of disillusionment with dreams. And so I, I didn't really want to talk about dreams. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want to talk about your dream. Mm-hmm. Well, just let me ask you this and blah, blah, blah. And they would say something. And I just go with whatever the first thought was that came to mind. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's about your identity or your destiny. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. How did you know that that's what I've always wanted to do? And I'd be <laughs> like, dude, whatever. Like, I, I just I don't care. I don't want to talk about your dreams. <laughs> but it kept happening. Right. You know, it kept happening over and over and over again. And so I thought, what would it look like <clears throat> if I began to lean into this? Mm. And so just like you, when you were young, you were in high school, <laughs> when you started, you had an interest and you're like, what if I actually pursued this? What would it look like if I really kind of did a deep dive? Mm-hmm. And so I started taking steps to study dreams. And that's how I really began the process of going down the rabbit hole that I am currently pioneering. That is awesome. It's so funny when people... Uh, well, in your case, they didn't even know, but they had some sort of intuition that you would know something about dreams. But when people hear that I've done research on dreams, they always want to tell me their dream and they always want to do an analysis. And I, I think what one of the things I loved about doing dream research is it really was like a conduit to be able to do some very deep analysis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it it removed a lot of barriers for people. But simultaneously it makes it really not the best thing to do like at a bar for instance <laughs> and oftentimes people don't realize because they, they 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 blow it off right they they don't think that it has any real meaning or uh, or anything profound or deeply personal even uh, so oftentimes they're willing to share and divulge a lot more than they would otherwise which makes it a great tool in many ways um, but it also makes it I, I always have to be very cautious and inform people. You might not want to have this conversation in mm-hmm. front of everybody here. This might be a little bit more suited to an intimate setting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. gotten some. I do live dream interpretation on YouTube mm-hmm. every week for two hours for the last two and a half years. Wow. So every Tuesday at, at 6 p.m. Eastern, okay. 5 p.m. Central, we're on. And I usually now have interpreters that I've trained Mm -hmm. that come on and co-host with me. And so it's fascinating because we don't pre-screen dreams. We don't pre-screen guests. Like we have Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea what we're going to get or who's going to talk about what. And so whether it's that we had one time, a mom was literally running through her house as she comes on on her cell phone. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you like, are you being chased? And she's like, no, I got to get away from my kids. And she runs into her closet in her bedroom. And she's like, my kids can't hear this. I'm like, you understand you're alive on YouTube. You know, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it was this, it was this very graphic sex dream that she had that really bothered her that she didn't know what it meant. And it meant absolutely nothing that she thought it meant at all. Wow. You know, but just for her to tell me some of the basics of the dream, she didn't want her kids around. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. fascinating. Yeah, no, totally. So tell me a little bit about the, because uh, you said you've trained some other interpreters. So what uh, types of methods do you use for uh, dream interpretation? 
Well, it's interesting. My background is nuclear physics. Mm -hmm. So I did that for 13 years with the federal government um, outside in the civilian sector. Um, my dad has a dual doctorate in biology and physics, and my mom has a degree in English. And so I'm both a writer, a speaker, but also kind of a total geek, nerd, mm -hmm. science, math kind of dude. And so when it comes to something I'm really interested, I immediately like to do a deep dive. Um, and when it comes to something that I believe is somewhat existential, somewhat, um, I, I, I have a very strong level of faith. And so I attribute a lot mm -hmm. of things in our experience to God, mm -hmm. or some people like the term, the divine creator mm -hmm. or the divine creative, whatever I call them, God, if mm -hmm. people have a problem with that kind of get over it. But, <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes use language that other people, you know, so they don't get stuck on the whole God thing. You don't right. have to believe the way I believe to have right. your dream interpreted or to have God speak to you through dreams. But when I started really getting interested in dreams and feeling like they came from a source outside of me, right? especially when I'm dreaming about people that, that I may have never met. Sure. Um, I'm like, well, this, this isn't, you know, the first thing you do is you look into the quote science. Mm -hmm. And I think we're learning how much to not trust anymore, the quote science, because just as much as you can buy a politician, you can buy a scientist, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like science, when they don't know what to do, they just make crap up. Totally. And so there's or when two they main... have a, a, an agenda or they're being paid to serve an agenda, they just point things in that direction and yes. build narratives rather than right. doing methodology. Yeah. So two main hypotheses in the quote science world are that dreams are your brain backing up your memories from the day. Right. Like makes zero sense at all. Yeah. Immediately plane crashes, dies, well, everybody on board. If, if my memory serves me, and this is going back quite a while, but I think that that uh, came out of uh, uh, Dorwin Cartwright, I think uh, was the uh, uh, person who uh, codified that notion. And now learning what I've learned about Cartwright, I am pretty sure that that was propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I've been doing very deep dive on Tavistock, and uh, Cartwright was very uh, instrumental in a lot of uh, Tavistock uh, methodology, and uh, you know was uh, working with uh, people like uh, um, John Rawling Reese, who the the very cliff notes is that they were trying to create like uh, propaganda to for mind control of the masses, uh -huh. and yeah, so anyway. yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> the federal government that has been involved in mind control type of research, particularly since World War II, but sure. probably a lot prior to that yeah. um, in earnest since mm -hmm. World War II and our friend Nanny Jacobson and her book, as we talked about earlier. Yes. <laughs> but I digress. Yes. <laughs> but the other theory is that dreams are a random collection of thoughts, right. which again, makes zero sense when you talk to any number of dreamers and you find that almost always dreams follow a narrative. They follow a story. Mm -hmm. They make sense. They're not like pink elephant, yellow tomato, car crashing into a tree. Those would be random events. Right. They're like, I walked outside my house and I saw a friend from high school. And then we went to a movie together and we saw a movie that I've been wanting to see. And then I had my mom showed up at the movie. You know, it's it's a story. Well, that's, that's interesting because I would push back on that a little bit. I think I mean, because I have done several as I'm sure you have dream analysis where people have pretty fantastical kinds of experiences that you would not have in real life. Like 
one one minute they're in the air, they're flying, and then all of a sudden they're you know walking a tightrope, and then they're I, I've definitely I've personally experienced dreams like that, and they're very vivid. Um, but but a lot of times there are sequential kind of you mm-hmm. know like story format dreams as well. So well, I guess it goes back to what you define as random. Mm -hmm. If you look like putting a randomized collection of words together where you create a randomizer on your computer and it attached a numeric value to every letter or every word in the alphabet or every word in a dictionary and it pulls up just a random series of words strung together, that's random. So there may be different things and different scenes that may or may not appear connected, but it's certainly not random because it follows a storyline. Right. Yeah. So I would enough. push back on your pushback. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. I, point taken. <laughs> so when you start having dreams about stuff that happened. You can in, say it appears random, but it might not actually be random. Yeah. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Well, I can say it, it, it to me, it seems really clear that science has struggled in the area of dreams. Yeah. For they sure. don't really understand what it is. No. They try to explain it. Uh, they want to be able to control it. They want to yes. be able to use it or minimize it in one sense or another and then they can't explain like some of the greatest scientific breakthroughs in the history of the world came outside of the dreamer from another source in a dream like the Bohr model of the atom Bohr was looking to be able to describe the physical characteristics in the real real world of what an atom looked like and he couldn't figure it out Mm -hmm. and i believe he prayed that night and said god i want to understand the model of the atom and so god draws him a picture like gives him like this 3d model in a dream he wakes up he draws it wins the nobel prize in physics so there's a bunch of stories like that um and that that's actually that was the focus of my junior year uh research was nice. problem solving and dreams and so and oftentimes it was some, some of the problem solving was more emotional kind of uh cathartic kind of a sort sorting through um, that was revealed through analysis, but sometimes it was very literal, just like that. And oftentimes it was exactly as you described, where the person either prayed or meditated the night before or literally wrote down the question they wanted to solve. And then that was actually incorporated into my research. I had people do that to see uh, what would happen. And uh, some that just a couple of examples that come to mind that are very similar to the Adam was uh, Watson and Crick, uh, you know, allegedly had a dream, you know, that where they came up with the uh, vision for the double helix um mm. and the, the I, I blank on his name but the guy who uh came up with the structure for the benzene ring yep. had a dream of the ouroboros the snake eating his tail yeah snake eating mm-hmm. his tail yeah yeah that's really interesting and famously einstein had a dream as a kid mm-hmm. that he meditated over th- for decades until they worked at the u.s patent office and finally was able to explain what the dream meant and it was it, it gave him the theory of relativity right yeah and so all modern quantum yeah. physics and quantum mechanics come from the source of a dream because of einstein right. which again i believe he won the nobel prize in physics for that yeah. as well yeah interesting you know the, the most re-recorded song in world history uh-huh. yesterday by paul mccartney uh-huh. he walked around humming it and singing it to his friends for six months like who sings this song mm-hmm. and finally his friends are like dude nobody knows what you're talking about would you just write it down and record the song and he did it's the most recorded song in world history wow did you that... know that google was partly founded because of a dream no yeah that's an interesting story so I, I may be a little bit paranoid because I've been seeped in this type of research for so long, but 
every single example you've described has some sort of like, you know, government kind of connection. Madam C.J. Walker. I don't know. Madam C.J. Walker, her parents were slaves on a plantation in the South. Okay. So <clears throat> they're free. The Civil War is over. They're now free citizens of the United States. She's the first, first generation born free, not a slave. Mm -hmm. It's like the 1890s. She's a black right. woman in America. Right. You know, prospects probably aren't that great. Mm -hmm. She has eczema real bad. She prays, God, I, I really want my skin to clear up. What do I do? Mm -hmm. God says, get these plants, blend them together, rub this on your face. She does. It works. She okay. starts talking to her friends. They're like, this is phenomenal. She creates a cosmetics company as an African-American woman in like the 1890s, early 1900s, and becomes the first female millionaire of any race in the United States. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? Yes, that is Madam C.J. Cool. Walker. Yeah, that's a good one to look up. Yeah, I definitely one. will. That's super fun. Yeah. So, yeah, so the your methodology for interpretation. So the first thing I did is, because I have a background in faith, and I realized that I've heard some Bible stories about mm -hmm. dreams, I wanted to look at what the Bible has to say. I believe the Bible is the ultimate source of truth, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm like, well, let's start there, mm -hmm. you know? And so I started looking up the dreams in the Bible. And, of course, Joseph interprets the two dreams of Pharaoh and saves the whole world from an incredible famine. That's a great story. And then the stories of Daniel interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and seeing some of those things come to pass and those are pretty incredible stories, but there's really a whole lot of other stories mm -hmm. that are in. There's actually 23 dreams in the Bible. Interesting. And then there's a whole collection of verses on dreams that <clears throat> I started studying because I wanted to understand the God connection with our dreams. Mm -hmm. You know, is it possible that dreams come from another place, that they're not actually what science wants to think? that they're either a backup of our own thought processes or that there's some random collection of just neurons firing while we sleep. Right. You know, and so what if they're connected to God? And if you believe God is our creator and you understand mm -hmm. anything about like, like uh, programming, mm -hmm. you know, every programmer creates what's called a zero day in a program, which is just simply a back door, right. a way that they can get in, that they can fix things, that they can adjust things, mm -hmm. that they can, you know, create, reboot, whatever. Right. And so God designed us to spend a third of our life in reboot mode, right. in rest mode. Do you think he would use that time at all for anything? Well, you run across this verse in Job's, in Job that says God speaks once, twice in a dream, in a vision of the night, but we perceive it not. You know, he opens the ears of man to seal his instruction on their heart. So this is really phenomenal because it gets into when when you have a biblical understanding and you believe that there is a connection with God and dreams. One of the most common questions that we get asked is, what if I don't dream? Well, everybody dreams. Mm -hmm. Well, what if I don't remember my right. dreams? Yep, that was the question is, all the time too. Yeah. yeah, the question is, does it matter? Can mm -hmm. God give you a dream that seals his instruction on your heart that can change the way you think or feel about a particular thing or bring something to the surface that he needs you to deal with mm -hmm. without you having any memory of it? I I would say yes, I think so. But I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. And if you've ever woken up and know that you had a really good dream 
but you can't remember the yeah. dream, but you feel good. You feel mm -hmm. like you were successful, like you were in love, like mm -hmm. something happened, these right. emotions you were feeling. And I warn people against completely relying on emotions sure. for dream interpretation, because there's a lot of people that are like, well, I had a dream and I felt scared. So it's a bad dream and it came from a bad source. And I'm like, 100% no, 100% not at all. Mm -hmm. it, there, there needs to be a creative process for how do we actually process dreams? And initially, when I started, I would just go with whatever came to mind, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't really didn't have a methodology, didn't have a scientific method. But as I really wanted to understand the dreams of the Bible, I realized that there's three or four kids in the Bible that have dreams. Famous kids, in okay. fact. And I'm like, wow, this is absolutely fascinating. Solomon the king was actually a kid when he had his dream where God asked him, what can I give you? What would you want? And he said, I would like discernment. A wise, and so God gave him a wise and discerning heart, which then made him rich and then made him the wisest king that ever lived at that time. And then still there's legends about the wealth that he amassed because of that. Right. But that was from a gift that God gave him in a dream. Wow. I think he was maybe 17. Huh. Joseph in, in the Old Testament was 17 when he had his two famous dreams about the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowing down to him, hmm. which is a fascinating dream because he didn't know it, and right. most people don't catch it, but it's a calendar. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> It actually has an exact number of years and what's going to happen in his life and when parts of that dream are actually going to come to pass. Hmm. And so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so you even look in the New Testament, there's like four or five dreams in the New Testament, particularly in Matthew 1 and 2, mm -hmm. that are all about Jesus. Hmm. But Jesus is a baby. They're all about the, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says, you know, your betrothed, Mary, is pregnant. She's pregnant because God got her pregnant. She didn't cheat on you. You need to marry her anyway, and you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus. I love the fact that the angel in the dream told him he was going to have a son because that's a what we call a go, no-go piece of intelligence. Boy. If she has a girl, nope, the whole thing was fake. Forget right. it, I'm out of here. <laughs> but if she has a boy, now, you know, it's a 50-50 chance, sort of speak, not really, but then at least he can verify something in the physical world that happened and came true that was what the dream told him would happen. Right. So this, this brings us to the next uh, question. Um, I, I still want to ask you more about the, uh, the method of interpretation though, but before we get to that, um, do you feel like, so the, the thing I get asked all the time is like, are dreams literal? Do you, do you, are they prophetic? Are they literal? Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. You think they're always, you always both literal and prophetic. No, I think okay. they're very, 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 very rarely literal. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> very rarely literal. And people take a very base level approach that's almost completely literal. And then they quote things like, well, what about the dreams of Pharaoh? Yeah. He had a dream that seven skinny cows ate seven fat cows. Okay. What about that do we think is literal? <laughs> and then like, well, we know that the seven fat cows were seven years of plenty. The seven skinny cows were seven years of famine. Well, that's an interpretation. Mm -hmm. How did you know that that was what they meant? Right. Nobody else knew that. Not all the other kings in all of the world and all the other councils of wise men, including the one in Egypt, the superpower of the world at that time, were able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And they even had the dream. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I think 
there can be a literal component or dreams can be literal, but where dreams are maybe 1% or 2% literal, um, probably 60 to 80% of what people believe dreams are is literal. Right. And again, this is where the wheels fall off the bus is because they're trying to assume something or assign it to a model that just doesn't work. Right. So this goes back to this harking back to the how do you interpret something that is figurative, right? So uh, back to the process question. Yeah. I like how focused you are. <laughs> you got to tease them a little bit to see if they really want to know. Yeah. You know, people always ask me, what do you do? And I say, I'm a consultant and a trainer. And if that's all they ask, that's all they get. But they're like, well, in what? I say, well, in intelligence. Well, then they're like, well, what kind of intelligence? Well, spiritual intelligence. Mm. And if they stop the conversation right there, they don't know hardly anything about what I do. But it's like, well, no, really, what what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So what's the process for interpreting dreams? So because I want to dream, right? Let me answer your question Mm -hmm. since you've asked nicely three times. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So since since I took a biblical approach and I'm a man of faith, I, I took a hardcore biblical approach to understand dreams. I came across what one of the most successful moments of dream interpretation and probably all of history is the story of Joseph interpreting the two dreams of Pharaoh. Some guy that's a slave and then thrown in prison, coming from complete obscurity, taken as a, as a trafficked victim in another country. Mm-hmm. No way the king would ever meet this guy in real life. Mm-hmm. He ends up having a problem. I have a dream I can't understand. He was friends with... Joseph had a friend who was in prison that was the king, that was the the cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer said, hey, I know a guy. Mm -hmm. And because of that relationship, they pulled Joseph out of prison, shaved him, washed him, put him in front of the Pharaoh. And he said, I got a problem. I got these two dreams. They're highly troubling for me. I'm afraid my, none of my wise men can tell me what they mean. What, what say you? Mm -hmm. And he interprets the dream for them. Well, he goes through a five-step method we call the Joseph method. Okay. And so we teach every part of that method in great detail with multiple examples, both in scripture, starting with Genesis 41, the story of Joseph, but then bringing in other dreams, whether it's just a one paragraph basic dream or whether it's a five page, very intense warfare dream with six different scenes, mm-hmm. the, the process holds up to be true. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a little involved. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that we do is because we believe some core beliefs that I have is I believe all dreams come from God, everyone without fail. Okay. And yes, every question you you can imagine, I've had probably a thousand times. Well, what about this? Mm-hmm. What about sex dreams? What about death dreams? What about horrific nightmares? What about kids having nightmares? What about... Yes, 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 and yes. Everything, every possible scenario, not only have people brought them to me, people have a question. We have to interpret it because they're not going to take my word for it. Mm -hmm. They got to know and understand the dream. And I've had to do this with seven-year-olds who had a terrifying dream when they were four. And so I have to tell a seven-year-old how this makes sense for a loving God to give the four-year-old self a dream that scared the bejesus out of her, you know? So recurring dreams, recurring dreams. Yes. That's another one. Yeah. God has three ways that he turns up the volume. If we, he has a message that he wants to get to us and we're not getting it. We're not picking up what he's putting down. 
he will turn up the volume by giving us recurring dreams, the same dream or about very close to the same situation or the same topic, sometimes in the same night, sometime over a period of years. Mm -hmm. So recurring dreams. Another one is very vivid dreams where you wake up, you remember every detail that felt so real. You felt like you were there. You, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in a cold sweat or you're just have all these emotions and it's not based on the emotions, but the emotions are part of how much your brain bought the reality of the vividness of the dream. Right. And then of course the third one is nightmares. And when you have nightmares, people tend to really get shook. And does this mean my neighbor's going to die in a car accident? Cause I saw it in a dream and, and then they freak out and then he take on a responsibility. Like they need to do something to try to prevent what could be the eventuality of the dream. Then, then they ask questions. Can a dream be changed? Mm-hmm. Can the real life outcome, mm-hmm. you know, how do you interpret these? And then we end up going real deep down the rabbit hole, which is fun. Yeah. Totally. That really fun and possibly really intense. Um, so my, so the first year I did on problem solving dreams, the second year I worked on creativity and dreams. And one of my theses was that, um, one of my hypotheses, which I, I found a lot of correlation between people who had, uh, who are very highly creative and having very vivid dreams that, or at least recalling the, the vividness mm. of their dreams. Um, so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that because I know you say that that's kind of, uh, I, I talked about nightmares and recurring dreams actually being, I called it like alarm signals. So mm. that would uh, be aligned with your thought that, you know, that's God's way of kind of like sounding the alarm, right? Uh, to make you pay attention. But with the creativity in dreams, I, I'm curious because I, what I found was that people who were very, who tended to be very creative, and I would argue all people are creative. Some people just tap into that more than others. Um, and people, some people just have uh, talents that lend themselves to being more overtly recognized as being, you know, traditionally creative, uh, you know, but uh, even somebody who's a physicist, like that's very creative. That's a abstract applied math. It's not, you know, like obviously basic arithmetic is just a, a skill, but if you're going to take it beyond the, you know, basic foundations, that's very creative. But a lot of people don't think of it as being a creative. What's your definition of creative? Um, So my definition, uh, and I I probably should look it up because I'm kind of a, (laughs) I like like to have the uh, tangible, uh, verifiable information. But if you were to ask me personally, Mm -hmm. the way I look at creativity is something that is uh, um, being able to uh, go outside of the, the bounds that have been set. Um, and also to be able to draw, um, you know, connectivity. Um, mm. So I know that's the literal definition, actually, of paranoid uh, is being able to draw connect dots that don't seem to be there. But I would actually argue also that people who are creative are really good at uh, synthesis because it's not necessarily um, it's not linear. It's more of abstract processes, which mm. I think is also a creative modality. I like that. Because a lot of times inventors in the scientific world, mm-hmm. you know, coming from nuclear physics and science, um, inventors are seen as the creative ones. And I'm not an inventor. I'm an innovative adapter. Mm-hmm. So I can take something that's already been made with something else that's already been made and find 50 different ways you could use it together. But I'm like not the guy to I come up with creative. the original idea. It is. Yeah. I think it's a level of creativity, too. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, that's why I say I think everybody, all human beings are designed to be creative. So if it, if you do subscribe to a biblical worldview, which it sounds like you do, then we're made in the image of God and God is the creator, right? So I think that human beings are all designed to create. Uh, you know, obviously there's 
procreation. We're designed to uh, create other life as life forms. But I think we also, we create so many things. And the, the way to do that is not, people tend to put it into a very specific box that, you know, if you create a painting, then that's creative or you create a song, but you know, whether you invent something or you adapt it in order in to a new uh, usage, usage or a new uh, uh, just even way to use the same thing is, I, I would argue that's very creative. If you're able to take, to abstract something, I think that's creativity. So it's really, you know, abstract versus linear. Not to say that linear, I think linear can build the foundation to be creative. So oftentimes when you think about art, uh, there has to be, you have to master the skill before it can become a creative art is typically how I look at it. And that's why a lot of uh, artists, traditional artists, because again, I think scientists can be artists, mathematicians can be artists, um, but t traditional arts, if you think of, you know, uh, a perform like a, actor, a musician, a uh, painter, you know, wh whatever art form that comes to your mind, they have to learn the tools, right? You learn uh, basic drawing, you learn uh, how to uh, read music, you, you learn the foundations of, you know, whatever acting technique you may use. And mastering that skill, you're then able to adapt it and you're able to abstract it. So to me, that's creativity. Sorry, again, that was very long-winded, but that's that's. How no, I, I think it. it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting. I'm sure you're familiar with the Edison method. I don't think I am. No, no, really. Of dream analysis? No, it's not dream analysis, oh. but it's creativity using dreaming. Oh. So Edison would fall asleep. Edison was classically known to never sleep more than four hours. Wait, are you talking about Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison. Yes. Okay. I am familiar okay. with this. Yeah. Two balls, right? Yes. So he would hold, for those that don't know, he would hold on to two balls and fall asleep. And then in, inevitably, we would know this today as the TV remote method. Mm -hmm. You ever fall asleep watching TV and then your hand drops the remote and crash. And you're like, you wake up and you're always ticked that you just now you have your remote and pieces all over the floor. Well, right. he would do this intentionally with uh -huh. balls. Right. And so if he didn't wake up at the first ball, the idea was that he would wake up relatively gently, but yeah. he would come out of this phase where they would attribute a lot of creativity to happening as you're beginning to fall asleep. Right. And then there's other people that would do it with a key. They would hold a key and sit in a rocking chair, have a table next to them with a journal, and then they would drop the key and it would clang and then they'd wake up and they would write down their thoughts. And right. it was... When, when people ask, well, I don't dream or how do I dream more? These are some of the techniques that we talk about and say, well, people like brilliant people like Thomas Edison, wh whether you like him or not, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the guy was brilliant, sure. um, <clears throat> had certain ways of tapping into creativity mm -hmm. using the method of sleep and the idea of dreaming. Right. The idea that when your mind is at rest, you know, I think it's Psalm 127 in the Bible says he, he it, it says it's, it talks about toil unless the Lord watches, un, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. In vain mm -hmm. you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. Mm -hmm. But he gives to those he loves even while they sleep. So this is mm -hmm. the idea of like business strategy. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where they're teaching all the young bucks and mm -hmm. the boss ladies out there to grind it yeah, out. And you right. got to work 20 hours a day and never sleep and never rest and go to the gym and never see your family and no balance of anything. It's just work, work, work. And, you know, the Gary V's of the world are into this ridiculous philosophy that is all about your own human effort. 
Right. And the problem is, is it limits you to your success being only based on what you can accomplish in a very linear sense. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you add things like exponential growth through whether it's social media or marketing or leveraging your time or whatever, but right. when you can tap into creativity and strategy that is far outside your own realm. Yeah which again is the God factor. It's again, the zero day. It's again, God may have a destiny for you to have a great invention and be the CEO of a company way beyond what we think we could do. And so how is he going to wake us up to that idea? Well, people mm -hmm. start having dreams. I had the strangest dream. I was a CEO of this company, mm -hmm. you know, and then they start dreaming it over and over and over again. So then they begin to think about it. Right. And then whatever they think about, then it begins to change their life. And then one day down the road, guess what? They've had an invention or they are suddenly signed themselves in a position where they're the CEO of that company. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, when I was, you know, I'm, so the creativity and dreams, my, my thesis was that, you know, what I found, my thesis was that more creative people would have, a, you know, more vivid dreams. And what I found was that they were more likely to have a more vivid recall more often. Mm. Uh, that was kind of the result. Um, but I'm now why? thinking of your, why yeah, well, why? Oh, yeah. so my, my thought behind that, uh, but what I was going to say is I, I think it still supports your theory. Uh, you know, if that, if it is a message from God, because, uh, even they had, you know, certain ones that were more vivid. Mm -hmm. So it would be those ones, I guess would be kind of like the alarm signals. But my, my theory on why that is, is has more to do with, uh, them being more tapped into the descriptive factor. So it's not right, like how they're they're more connected to uh, the imagery or the auditory uh, sensation, just the 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 senses and the descriptive factor. Because it, we're only we're not getting the dream that as they experienced it, we're only getting the dream as they recall it mm -hmm. and as they share it. And I think creative people tend to be very um, they tend to incorporate a lot of sensory uh, imagery in their descriptions so I, I think that might be part of it but. so probably tend to be more accurate because they're more descriptive right because there's more more, more data points and details yeah probably it's it's interesting because between last night and even today i'm taping a new course okay and everything i've done so far has been for dream interpretation right and so this course is specifically for dreamers and I'm a answering a lot of these questions. It's called the Supercharge Your Dream Life course. And we're going to have it out next week for like Black Friday and everything. Ooh. It's like 75% off, you know, it's, okay. but what we want to do is we want people that are, may not necessarily have a propensity mm -hmm. to want to dive into the world of interpretation or what we call spiritual intelligence, mm -hmm. but they really want to have dreams and they want to know how to have more dreams and how they can use their dreams in real life. And yeah. so we talk about some of these things like what is the source of dreams right. and how can you use dreams? How can they actually help you in the waking world? And so we go through a very, very intense biblical model. Mm -hmm. I have a, a course that's free dreamlifedakota.com. Okay. You can go to our, our courses and there's a course called dreams through the Bible. Okay. And based on the research that I did where I'm like, man, I really want to understand a biblical worldview mm -hmm. of what dreaming and, and the Bible says about it. And I started looking to all 23 dreams in the Bible mm -hmm. and I got tired of looking them up. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and I'm just going to cut and paste this into a document 
that we now give away for free. We call it the ebook. Okay. And it's just straight the scripture right. that says, here's the story. Here's what happened beforehand. Here's the dream. Here's the interpretation. Here's what happens after. And then we have all of the verses like Job, you know, mm -hmm. God, you know, speaks once or twice and dream in a vision of the night, all those verses. And there's even verses about false dreams. What are false dreams? What do those look like? Yeah. And so we include all of those in the ebook. Okay. And then I spend 22 episodes, about 55 minutes each going through every piece of every dream in the Bible, and then all of the verses on dreams, particularly the ones where people are like, well, what about this? What about that? And in wow. all of that study, the thing that we've come up with and the thing that we've seen over and over and over again is the idea that there's three types of dreams. It's a popular idea that there's multiple sources of dreams, that dreams come from ourself. People mm -hmm. call them soul dreams. There's no evidence of that at all in mm. scripture. Mm -hmm. And then the idea that, well, dreams come from an entity like Satan or the demonic that's attacking me and causing mm -hmm. me to have dreams. Guys, if that were true, if that was really true, don't you think we would all be having Freddy Krueger on repeat every single night without fail? But we don't. So I don't think that that's the case, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And so, <laughs> so what do you do with that when people want to know, particularly if they have a bad dream or if they have a nightmare, they want to be like, well, I want to know where this came from. And so they want to attribute it to something. It's it's funny because there's certain dreams they want to attribute to themselves. Right. Well, this just must be, I want this relationship or I want to get promoted. So I had a dream about being a CEO. Well, why isn't that your purpose and destiny? Right. Maybe that's something God is actually calling you to, that he's giving you a dream about it to wake you up to the idea of thinking at a higher level, but they like, you know, it's like that false humility thing. Nah, it's just, that's just something I want. So I'm dreaming about it. But then when they get something really scary, oh my gosh, I had a dream. Somebody broke into my house and beheaded my whole family. Well, now they don't want to own that one. <laughs> now that's the devil. Okay. So clearly the devil has come and given me little old me, this dream person. He's crawled into my head at night. He's designed this entire movie just for me based on the movies I've seen, the books I read. Somehow he knows who all my family members are mm -hmm. and the guy that I was in love with or that, you know, the gal that I was in love with in right. high school. And he puts all of this together to form an amalgamation of a dream in order just to terrify me. So I don't sleep. Really? <laughs> like that's the hypothesis. Right. Come on. And so when you get over all that stuff and realize none of that makes any sense mm -hmm. and you look at the Bible and over and over and over again, God says, I speak to you in dreams or it says God speaks once, twice in a dream and a vision of the night. Why? To open our ears mm -hmm. when we're not faced with all of the barrage of constant marketing, social media decisions, right. you know, everything that's coming in our eye and ear gate every day, all the time, nonstop communication. When we actually close our eyes, we turn everything off. We sit down and we rest and we fall asleep for a minute. Now, suddenly he opens our ears and he begins to put things on our heart. Wow. Well, this might be, I have a question after this, but it might be a good time to play the commercial that you have um, on your dream course. And, uh, but after we do that, I want to ask you about, because this is really, really fascinating to me because I've been doing, I'm actually in the process of doing a show about Alice Bailey and the Lucius Trust. And so I've been diving into Theosophical Society, the New Age Movement and they definitely subscribe to using dreams as well. So 
yeah, maybe afterwards we can talk a little bit about that and your thoughts on that because you've touched on that a little bit. Sure. Well, let me so, set up the commercial for you. Okay. Nope. <coughs> he has. Yeah. So, so here's yeah. here's here's the basis, and we'll get into this more. Okay. First of all, at the beginning, you said FBI. I've never worked directly for the FBI. Okay. I have friends that are in multiple um, federal agencies, um, people in law enforcement at every level, including the federal level, and mm -hmm. and, and and other. Um, government advisors of all kinds, whether it's direct advisors to people that are senators or congressmen or, or, or even the president of the United States or whatever. And some of these people are very interested in the information, we call it intelligence, that we get from dreams. Yeah. One of the other hypotheses that I have is if you believe that God gives you dreams, then dreams are intelligence. They literally become a message from God. If that's the case, they should be looked at as some of the most accurate, profound, and incredible information available on the planet today. And so when we dive into that, we call that process spiritual intelligence. And mm -hmm. so we've created a mentorship. We actually have two mentorships now, the mm -hmm. spiritual intelligence mentorship. And then if you graduate from that and we recommend you, you have to be chosen. You go on to the advanced intelligence mentorship. We're training a group of people mm -hmm. for an intelligence agency that we've created that is run solely on the basis of dream interpretation, vision interpretation, and a little bit of the prophetic. We see that more as confirming, but almost entirely it's dream interpretation. And we've used dreams to advise leaders at pretty, at pretty much every level of business, government, politics, um, media, and it's been wow. with fascinating results and we can get into more stories, but so yeah. this, 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 uh, one minute video is kind of an advertisement, a little bit about what we do in the spiritual intelligence mentorship. Fascinating. All right. This morning I had a dream about a vacation and a sunken key. I could see and smell the ocean. And as I was floating on the water, I felt a warm presence. There was a man in scuba gear who beckoned me to follow him. He led me to a key laying on the ocean floor. And then when we were on the shore, he gave it to me to keep. Then the scene changed and I found myself in a tent. And the brand name really stood out to me, Ripen Tents. As it grew dark, the stars started swirling and I saw a neon yellow sign in the sky that said, Revive All. I woke up so moved by God's presence that I had to write down my dream. Then I typed out the key symbols, the way I learned in the dreams course. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me interpret them, and he opened my eyes to the meaning of the dream. Jesus was showing me that the key to unlocking his mysteries is found by making him my highest priority. I need to dive deep and recommit to time with him, including practicing the gifts he's given me. He's calling me to the secret place to camp out with him and to learn to trust him on this journey without being afraid of where he might take me. I'm amazed at the way God uses dreams to speak to me. So this is for the course. So that's you, okay. actually the okay. dreams course. Okay. We have yeah. multiple different courses available. Yeah. So let me just kind of go through what we have so people understand that I mentioned the dreams through the Bible study series. Right. 
That is 100% free. You get an ebook with that. Okay. If they go to dreamlifedecoded.com mm -hmm. and they can, I think it's in courses, there's a dreams through the Bible study. You just enter their email. Mm -hmm. We shoot them the ebook. We give them access to all 22 episodes of everything there is to know about dreams in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I did that because we couldn't find a comprehensive Bible study right. from anybody in any era yeah. that really covered in detail like people would touch on dreams a little bit mm -hmm. but for like 45 minutes and then they'd move on like i want to okay. know everything there is to know about everything related to dreams from a biblical standpoint not just because it's the bible but mm -hmm. because it sets a historical document like there were major kings that we know yeah, these aren't fictional stories mm -hmm. these kings existed these yeah. nations are still around today yeah. and they ran their policy in large part on what happened from their wise men in dreams and diviners and satraps and and even necromancers i mean they were looking for knowledge kind of like the nazis were like hitler was in world war ii any source mm -hmm. of the extraterrestrial the occult the out mm -hmm. of the ordinary the theological that they can lean into to get better information yeah and so that's the dreams through the bible study course so we have the dreams course which you just saw the ad for the dreams course is <clears throat> for people who really want to jump in and understand what dream interpretation looks like. We go through all five parts of the Joseph method. Mm -hmm. And then I do nine dreams where I give them the dream in advance mm -hmm. <laughs> and they can take a shot at trying to interpret the dream. Right. And then they come back and they can watch the next video and then they can watch me do it. And then they can see, we, we do this because a lot of times the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He'll speak the same thing to you. Mm -hmm. And you'll think, well, the house isn't an actual house. The house means a family legacy. Wow, that's what I got too. So people begin to realize that it's not just one person that can do this, but they can begin to hear and they can start to tune their ear to the language that God uses in dreams. And so we do this nine times. They can just sit back and watch me interpret nine dreams, go from kind of the basic all the way to like one page military mm -hmm. and governmental dreams, or they can take a shot every time along the way, try to interpret it themselves and then come back. And it's like looking at the answers in the back of a math book. So that's the dreams course. So the spiritual intelligence mentorship is an eight week program. Mm -hmm. We have facilitators, we have mentors. We, we, the first two is kind of a go at your own pace. You could get on, yeah. you could sign up for either one of those today. There's a cost with the dreams course. It's going to be on special starting, I think tomorrow or the next day. So because mm -hmm. okay. of black Friday, we have the black Friday stuff going on. Well, if you get an affiliate going, we'll uh, do one for my yes. audience. Yeah. Yes. That'd be great. But the spiritual intelligence mentorship, what we're training is what we call government level intelligence analysts. Okay. In fact, in the advanced intelligence mentorship, we, we do a course on what's called the PIA. The PIA is a book written. It's called the psychology of intelligence analysis, which is a book that you would love. Okay. The, the analysts in the CIA call it their Bible. Now mm -hmm. I don't work for the CIA. I'm not connected to the CIA okay. in any capacity, you know, but I read a lot of books about intelligence because there's a lot of people in the faith community that God may give them a message, but they don't understand how to interact with the federal government. And they can be come from their own worldview and can sometimes be a little awkward. And even the language that they choose can be more like they're getting preached at than they're getting intelligence. And so 
we've modeled the reports that we create after the president's daily brief, which is the document that the CIA creates every single day to brief the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. So we look at how they put together their reports, their dossiers. And so we want to present information, right. especially if we ever have to interact with a governmental leader yeah. or with, you know, a, a, any agency of the federal government. They're not looking for me to write an email like a church pastor writes an email. Yeah. They're looking at a report usually written in the third person, usually very, you know, th there's terminology and language that you use instead of saying, well, I saw this or I saw that you say the subject, if you were the dreamer, you know, the subject, the person of interest. And so we begin to unpack things in a way that's a little bit more palatable. But the psychology of intelligence analysis is like the standard in the intelligence community of how to think about an intelligent theory and be, well, I feel like this is going to happen. And looking at these signs, I feel like it's going in this direction. And then they teach you how to test that hypothesis instead of trying to prove it right, which creates cognitive bias and cognitive dissonance. You actually try to prove the theory wrong mm -hmm. and you look for ways to disqualify your own theory. And we've never seen that done in dream interpretation or frankly, even in the prophetic. There's a big prophetic community sure. in the Christian world where a lot of people will say, I believe this person's going to be the next president of the right. United States. That was a big one. And we saw the wheels fall out the bus. A little bit in 2020 we did, yeah. because a whole lot of people said one thing and then about half of them backed up, apologized, said, no, God didn't say that. I was <laughs> wrong. And the other half were like, no, that's what I heard, too. And God absolutely said that. And even though it's not existent in our real, real world reality, this is what's going to happen. And this is what actually happened. And uh -huh. this was the results of the election. And this is when everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? Who do you even listen to? Right. And so what's interesting is the whole time before, during, and after all of that, we continue to look at the dreams and the dreams never changed. Right. Not at all. We've done dream studies on dreams about Trump. We have probably 300 dreams about President Trump. Interesting. And so we had a whole ton. We have, we had 150 or so before the election mm -hmm. and some talking about the election. <laughs> And then, well, what about after January 6th? Mm -hmm. What about after January 20th? You know, because people kept putting these arbitrary dates. Well, it's all going to change this date. And it's all got to happen before this date. And we're like, are we seeing anything change in the dream world? Like right. if dreams come from God and God could get us a message. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think God was up there wringing his hand saying, oh, my gosh, I never saw this happening. This was not the way it was supposed to be. Or as a friend told me once, has it ever occurred to you? that nothing occurs to God. <laughs> he already knows everything. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what does he say? And the thing I love about dreams, as yeah. you know, is most people don't know what their own dreams mean. Right. So we can get a hundred people all over the nation sending in their dreams. They don't have any idea. So they can't twist it right. to try to say, well, I want it to look this way. Mm -hmm. Propaganda doesn't work with dreams because mm -hmm. they don't understand the base language. Right. And when they try it, it's always some very, very, very basic, literal hodgepodge where it's like, dude, come on. Right. I, I had a friend that was an advisor to uh, a, a head of state, and he had another friend of his that had said, hey, I had this dream that you're supposed to take me in and meet the president of this country, and I'm supposed to be the guy that solves his problem, and he's going he's gonna to put me at this position and give me a ton of money, and, and what do you think of this dream? And the guy, very wise, said, you know what? I'm going to put a man on that. And so he sent it to me. And it was really the first time that I felt like, eh, like, I'm like, this, 
this isn't how God talks. Mm -hmm. That's so basic. You can totally see the guy's agenda that he wants to get in front of this guy. Right. He wants to feel important. He wants to have mm -hmm. the opportunity to present whatever his idea is. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's not how dreams work. And I'm like, and I called this guy back and I mean, he was a, is a very important person, you know, a contact that I'm like, man, I don't want to piss this guy off. I don't know if this was his wife or his best friend. And, right. and I just had to say, Hey, I'm, I'm okay with being wrong, but I got to tell you, I don't think this is real. I think this is a false dream. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know, that's exactly what I got too. Interesting. So I don't think he even called the guy back. I think he just blew the whole thing off, but it was. Wow. So, yeah. So I want to go back to the question I had about the, uh, because you were saying that, you know, people either seem to think that it's coming from them or that it's coming from uh, some kind of a demonic type of, but there are, uh, you know, definitely like the new age movement puts a lot of weight on dreams and dream analysis. And uh, one would argue that they're definitely using it as a portal to channel. Um, and uh, you could make the case that that is channeling uh, entities that would not be uh, from God. Right. So we've had friends of ours interpret dreams of witches, mm -hmm. of Satanists. And usually what happens is the person that had the dream ends up feeling completely exposed are usually in tears. Mm. And a lot of times they're ready to start, believe it or not, a relationship with God based on they didn't know or understand the dream. And they present a dream to a seasoned dream interpreter. And not only does that person understand the dream, they read their mail mm. and tell them their life story. Mm. And they're like, we're not that powerful. <laughs> we don't know how to do what you just did. <laughs> And so that, that that's like, well, you know, because they're looking, ultimately, they're looking for a source of power. The New right. Age movement, um, in, in a lot of ways, is really just kind of a twist, I would say, a perversion mm -hmm. on what God has created. Sure. Like Satan's not a creator. Right. So he can't invent anything. So the only thing he can do is take what God made right. and try to turn it for darkness, try right. to make it about, you know, blood sacrifice and you know, killing children and all the mm -hmm. dark, deep and witchcraft and magic and spells. And when there are things that you can declare with your mouth and there are powers that our words have, and we can create worlds mm -hmm. when we speak things. And we do have, like you said, we're made in the image of God mm -hmm. who is a creator. And so mm -hmm. we have that gene as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there is a, very much a power that humans have that people want to pervert that and they want to make it about, well, only under these circumstances, mm -hmm. if you fall into our political agenda uh -huh. and we push it this particular way, does it work? And you're like, no, actually, uh, we could go another way. We could go the way it was originally designed. And so I don't have a problem with people who have that as kind of their core level. Sure. But what's interesting is we've had, we've had witches and warlocks and things want to get into our training. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is we get warned about them. Like uh -huh. somebody will have a dream that, hey, I feel like there's a witch in the organization. Uh -huh. Well, okay. And, and and one of the things that I always say is I'm not afraid of information. Uh -huh. You know, the building's on fire. Oh, okay. Well, that's a piece of information. Right, I'm not right. going to freak out. I am going to quietly and calmly leave the building, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Like, you know, when you work in intelligence. I like, am so glad. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but that is so important because Right. They, what is it? I think it's like 365 days, uh, the, you know, 365 times it says, do not fear. Do not and what fear. do people do when they get information? Most people do freak out. And that is not useful at all. And if, if knowledge is power, it's about what you do with that information. Right. And freaking out does nobody any good. And if there were 
you know, if there is like a Satan and a demonic energy, you would think that that is exactly what he would do is drive you to use that just to be afraid and spaz and do nothing productive. So yeah, no, that's great. Take the information. There's, you know, it is just information and what you do with it is where the power lies. So. And, and the source of the information. Right. I believe that, you know, God created all of us. And I don't care if you're the darkest, deepest witch on the continent of mm -hmm. Africa. God still wants a personal relationship with you. And God will reach out to people like that and give them dreams mm -hmm. that stumps them. Like they say in the Matrix, it's the splinter in your mind mm -hmm. driving you mad. Like the answer doesn't come to you and you have to seek through a different way than the methodology that you typically use. And a lot of times it leads to a relationship with God. There are many examples of radical, hardcore Muslims, terrorists in the Middle East and all over the world that classically have what they call the man in white dream. Mm -hmm. And they're approached by a man in a white robe who introduces himself as Jesus and begins to tell them about another way of believing. And they wake up and they want to find out more and they seek out and God will tell them, go to the center of town and there'll be a guy there who will give you a Bible. And the next day I've, I've met Christians that, I don't know, I've, God told me to go to the center of the marketplace and look for a guy that, you know, <clears throat> looks like an imam. And, 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 and it's funny because they sat in their car for 10 minutes thinking, is this real? Am I losing my mind? Is this really what God wants me to do? And then they get out of the car and they give the imam the Bible and the imams ticked like, dude, I've been waiting here for 10 minutes. Where were you? God said to be here at noon. Didn't he tell you to be here at noon? And well, yeah, I was kind of sitting in my car. He's like, well, next time do what he tells you to do and be here on time. You wasted 10 minutes of my time. You know, never met the guy before. Wow. You know, and then these people get, you know, it's interesting that the Quran talks about um, it, it, it actually, it, it, it actually talks about, and it, it, in a sense, I, I won't say glorifies, but it talks about, it confirms the teachings of Jesus. Mm. And so when, Muslims have a dream about the man in white mm -hmm. who introduces himself as Jesus. Again, it's just information. Right. It's not something you need to be afraid of. It's not, there's all of these things. Well, if you do this or you do that, or if you leave the faith, then death to you and your family. You know, I, I understand there's all these things, but where did this information come from? Why did it come to you? These are the questions people need to ask. Mm -hmm. And even people that are stuck into what we may call the dark arts. Mm -hmm. I don't know that how dark new age is because I'm not really into new age, mm -hmm. but I do know that they, there's a level of perversity in it. Not that mm -hmm. it's gross and perverse, but I mean, it's a little bit twisted off of what the original mm -hmm. model was Inversion, and yeah. people want to be able to use that to what can I channel demons? Can they make me more powerful? Mm -hmm. Can, well, yeah, that's been used at every level of business, of government, of, you know, everything mm -hmm. from, from burning man and, 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 and micro dosing psychedelics to try to get more creative so we can have a better tech company right. to what the federal government has done with multiple projects that we've heard about since 1946, sure. you know? So yeah, I think there's people that want power and they want knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is, is God, God is ready to give it to us for free mm -hmm. and without the backlash. I, I have friends that have trained people. Um, in places like the Pentagon to to access information from the angelic realm versus the demonic realm. Demons will beat the hell out of you. Like you come away from those experiences by what I've heard. And I've met some people that have been in charge of some pretty interesting programs 
where they got to strap people down to chairs and, you know, all kinds of strange stuff happens. And, and that's because the demonic entity, though they are very real, doesn't have your best interests at heart. Whereas God can show you things and you can come back feeling refreshed and feeling excited and feeling cared for instead of having to, you know, feel like you just had the crap beat out of you. Well, yeah, I would definitely choose the former over the latter. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on things like dream dictionaries? I know that they're very popular, very trendy. When I was doing my research, I it was one of the things that really propelled me to investigate because it seemed really bizarre to me that like a symbol could have a blanket interpretation for mm. all people because my... You know, if you take something like a snake, some people love snakes. They think they worship them. They think that they're beautiful, interesting, exciting, whatever the case may be. Some people have them as pets. I personally am not such a big fan. So if I have a dream about snake, I would imagine it has a different connotation than for somebody else. You like snakeskin boots. Hmm. I do. That is true. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> it's interesting that you said snakes because classically, if you teach biblical dream interpretation, the two mixed symbols that everybody uses is a snake or a lion. Right. You know, and so, yeah, most people think a snake can be a lie or a long tail or something mm -hmm. venomous or poison or something that right. wants to bite you. But when the children of Israel were in the desert and they were all getting sick, what did they do? They put the snake up on the pole, which is where we get our medical sign from. Yeah. And when they would look to the snake, they would be healed. The Asclepius, not the Cicadus, but yes. Right, yeah. right. Thank you for. <laughs> but, but yeah, so. Snake. I believe, um, and by what we've seen in particular, is the fact that it's a figurative language that you can't institutionalize across the board. And I'll give you the dream dictionary to the nth degree example. Mm -hmm. okay. There are people that, well, I, I wrote this down. And what about, you know, everybody, most people that teach biblical dream interpretation tend to be people that speak at churches. Mm -hmm. We call those people pastors or ministers. Mm -hmm. Almost every minister that I've ever heard, if they have a vision or they have a, a symbol of a car in a dream, they always, always, always say a car means ministry. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not in ministry. I'm in business or I'm mm -hmm. in intelligence or I'm in consulting. I don't, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. Right. That's not what I do. So for me, ministry doesn't really have a lot to do with my life. My mm -hmm. life is about business or it's about the projects that I'm working on. And so since I don't identify or see myself as I'm not ordained, I didn't go to Bible school, you know, these are not part of, of, of my experience. For me, it doesn't mean ministry. Right. But for them, it does. Sure. I have a friend that, that put together a, uh, database of, I don't know, 20 to 50,000 dreams mm -hmm. when they had a data scientists and, you know, they collect dreams. And those of us that are dream interpreters that believe dreams come from God and that believes dreams are intelligence, we have an insatiable desire for more dreams because most people don't know what they mean. And as long as they record their dreams accurately, God can be speaking to a hundred people all over the nation about something that's going to happen in the nation, like mm -hmm. the election or what's going to happen to the economy or what's going to happen, you know, related to other nations or, you know, what's going on, especially in times of war and rumors of war, mm -hmm. when people are unsettled and you can't trust in any way, shape or form, almost any part of the media at all, the especially fog of the, war. Mainstream, right, <laughs> the mainstream media, most of the alternative media and most of social media, you literally can't, nobody gives their sources. Nobody tells you where they got this information. Right. It's just people talking about whatever the heck they want to talk about. 
And I would, I would dare to say that very, very little of it is factual. Mm -hmm. um, some of it is based in fact, most of it, there's entire wars going on in the world that we can be blinded to. It's like, they've made movies about this, like yeah. wag the dog. Like they, they, they tell you yep. we're going to have fake wars to distract from, from us being criminals and wanting to do things in politics. And they've already told us this. That's not happening now. No, clearly yeah. that yeah. could never happen. <laughs> But we need to send another 120 billion to whatever country is the, you know, and there are real things, unfortunately, they're happening in the world that we should support one side over another. Mm. Um, but it's it's become so convoluted because yes. we cannot trust the media at all. Right. So, but if you have a source where you have a direct hardwired link to God for eight hours a day, why wouldn't you ask him, God, what do you say? And so that's what we do. We call it an RFI, a request for intelligence or a request for information where we will ask him, what does that mean? Right. And so those of us that, that love dreams, we would love to have more dreams, especially people that are dreamers that are used to writing their dreams down. Mm -hmm. So my friend was working with a data scientist. They took their data set, <coughs> they had it in a uh, database um, and he was like a doctorate degree data scientist. And so he had some friends at MIT mm -hmm. and then we found out later, um, it was like half MIT and half the NSA. There were like 13 different doctorate degree data scientists that took this data set and studied it for two whole weeks. Oh. You know what they found? What? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because a cat can mean your childhood cat right. for you. And a cat for me could mean a tiger. Oh, you and mean so, the data scientists analyzing the dreams. analyzing the dreams, but without to try to, to come up with, yeah, to try to come up with what are the common threads? What are, uh, you right. know, and and like how could we create the ultimate dream dictionary? Mm -hmm. How do we hack the dream language? Right. And the long and the short of it is, you can't. Right. It's personal. It's personal. Right. But God can give somebody who understands the dream language wisdom for another person. Like when Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, mm -hmm. you know, again, some guy, and it's not based on class or on knowledge, or this is a guy that was a slave that was a sold in to slavery, worked as a house servant, mm -hmm. and then was thrown into prison. Yeah. And so what was his level of education? What was his level of, he didn't even believe in the same gods that Egypt did. But they mm -hmm. couldn't find with all of their best people, with all of their most educated people, with all of their new age or their witches mm -hmm. or their whatever channeling, whatever spirit they wanted, no matter how many bulls they sacrificed, they could not find the answer that Pharaoh wanted. And so they pulled this uneducated guy from some other country who's been in prison or a slave his entire life. They bring him up before a king mm -hmm. and he says, here's the answer. And the king is so impressed. He says, I'm going to make you the guy that's number two in charge of the entire country. Why? Not because of his education, not even because of his pedigree, but because he figured if you can hear from a source outside of the realm of everything that we have within my kingdom mm -hmm. and can get a better answer, a source from God, and it makes sense, and then it's going to come true, then you can get that information on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So you would know how to manage better than we would because you're tapped into a better source of knowledge and wisdom than we are. Right. So that's the same premise by which we've created the concept of spiritual intelligence. About six years ago, I had a friend, we were both working on movie projects. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and she did a lot of stuff with um, what she calls word of knowledge, which is mm -hmm. just discerning. I mean, I felt that 
did do you have a dog? Is your dog sick? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you know? Oh my God. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was working heavily in dreams and we just had a conversation one day where I just said, cause I'm kind of all or nothing. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, do we really believe this stuff? Like really, (laughs) do we really believe that you can hear from God in dreams and visions and prophecy? And, and if so, then wouldn't that be the best information on the planet? And if so, why isn't there a full-time intelligence agency that advises the president of the United States or that is working to keep America safe, helping whether it's law enforcement or the military or, or, or whatever? And so one of the things that we found out, of course, is, well, most people don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Even though they, well, yeah, I believe that dreams can come from God, but I only believe that a third of them. Okay, so they discount like two-thirds of their dreams. I don't even write most of them down. Mm-hmm. So those aren't our people. Our people are the ones that write down every single dream they get all the time and they press in for hours and hours and hours. Sometimes that's what it takes to uncover a dream or they go back to God and they pray and they say, God, show me what does this mean? Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. And then they get intelligence and then they write it down and then they send it to people Mm -hmm. that can action the intelligence, that can make use of the information. And if you're having dreams about the country on a national or international level, in the realm of nations and geopolitics, the person that can use the information most awesome, most, most probably is not the dreamer and it's not even the interpreter. And so that's why we've worked to be credible. We put these reports together. We, we carry ourselves in such a manner and we even study things like the psychology of intelligence analysis because we don't want to get in the echo chamber of listening to our own press releases that, oh, we got this right and we could never be wrong. And no, no, that's when, you know, beware. So that, yeah. So speaking of beware, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing that went through my head is that uh, you were saying that wouldn't this be the greatest form of intelligence if it is the word, if it is a message from God, right? So, but what is to prevent that from being uh, co-opted? Because there are people who would love to use this as a, a tool and a conduit to advance their own agendas and say, oh, but this came from God. I mean, we, we know there are false prophets, and I don't even mean people literally sharing. I mean, people who just pretend to be prophetic, uh, you know, whether it's a grift or whether it's uh, because they're, they, they have some sort of something they want to accomplish as a result. And we've certainly seen that in history. Mm-hmm. So what, what's to stop that from happening in this Well, that's a good question. And the Bible addresses that. Okay. It talks about false dreamers and people are like, well, see, there can be a false dream. Uh What what, what do you, and people believe that that means that the dream can come from a source other than God. And I always ask him, it's, it's such a funny conversation because people have such a resistance to the idea that all dreams come from God. Mm -hmm. I did for four years. God told me that while I was interpreting a dream for somebody, it made no sense. I immediately argued with them. It was the same voice that, and it's not a voice, it's an internal unction in my spirit. Just like if somebody's talking about a house and I hear family legacy, I don't hear it with my audible sensory, my ears, but it's just that still small voice that those of us that have a relationship with God know that God sometimes speaks that way. Mm -hmm. And I heard that, that dreams come from God. Dreams are the love language of God to his kids. And I'm like, well, what about demonic dreams, soul dreams? And he just basically said, yeah, you should look that up. Okay. So the first thing I thought since I was having a conversation with God was, well, I'm going to look what the Bible has to say. I'm going to find every demonic dream in the Bible. 
Right. So I studied it for two years. And like I said, I read them all over and over and over again. And I'm seeing where a demon gave somebody a dream here at all and then i find a verse in job you terrify me with dreams i'm like ah here it is <laughs> who's he talking about oh he's talking about god huh there's another verse in job i you know god speaks once twice in a dream and a vision of the mm -hmm. night at the end of that verse is he says he terrifies them or horrifies them mm -hmm. with warnings to right. keep their soul from pride but wait a minute that's also god Right. So these are all messages, right? You're, you're making the case that these are messages from God, but what about the people who are then interpreting it? Right. So you were saying that, uh, like for instance, in a, a geopolitical, uh, scenario where the dream has geopolitical relevance and it might not be relevant for even the dream role or even the interpreter. However, the, uh, interpreter, let's, let's just take at face value that the dreamer was honest and genuine in the reporting and accurate in their reporting and uh, sharing of this dream, then it's still a tremendous amount of uh, weight has been given to the dream, the, the interpreter, yes. the interpreter, right? And uh, there is, even if their intentions were uh, benevolent and innocent and uh, pure, there's still human fallibility. Um, and then there is, unfortunately, there are uh, you know, motives that may not be so pure. So great question. <laughs> so this is why we're training people mm -hmm. at a very deep level okay. to be what we call government level. Not that we work for the government right. or with the government, but we have worked with people that do sure. a government level intelligence analyst. Now right. we take it out of dream interpretation because dream interpretation is kind of the classic. I know a lady in a flowered dress that's <laughs> like 50, that's a little weird, but she goes to my church and she's the dream expert. And if I have a weird dream, I'll ask her and then she'll tell me something and then I'll promptly blow it off or realize it's not literal and never think about it again. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking when you're advising people that run, run hedge funds and they want to know how to trade. They want to know what's going to happen in yeah. the next week. Right. And they're going to put a lot of other people's money, um, may or may not put a lot of other people's money. Not that we're telling them how to trade. Right. We're saying, here's what we see. Or here's what we are seeing in dreams. I always, I always work really hard to stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. I'm going to tell you what your dream means. What you do is up to you, but your dream has actionable intelligence as to what the dream is telling you you should do. But what you ultimately do, that's... You know, I don't have a dog in that fight. That's up to you. Just like Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Now, here's what you should do. Appoint a man in charge of this whole problem. Put eight commissioners underneath him. Store 20% of the grain in the walls of the city during the years of plenty. And then distribute it during the years of famine. And that's when, when Pharaoh said, well, you're the guy. Because <laughs> you got the information. So that's the same thing. It's like... <clears throat> It's how do we know that an interpreter is not compromised? That's a very good question. So the first thing we do is we vet everybody. That's why if you get on the, um, we'll, we'll play the the advertisement yeah. or the kind of the, the preview for the spiritual intelligence mentorship. Definitely. But, and that's why it says apply mm -hmm. because we don't let everybody in. The first thing we do is we vet everybody. Well, how do we do that? Well, we yeah. take their name and we give it to a prayer warrior and an intercessor. And without any information other than the name of the person, they begin to pray. 
and say, God, tell me about this person. And we have people at that step where God says, this person is a witch. Okay. Whoa. Again, we're not afraid of information and we don't stop there. Okay. We say, okay. The other thing we do is we do a social media check. Well, let's look at all of their social media. Mm -hmm. We get on their Facebook page and now they're a part of Sage Burners Are Us and let's grow crystals together and Wiccan this. And we're like, well, yeah, okay. Clearly they're a witch. <laughs> they're probably not really going to like a biblical model of dream interpretation. And it's probably not something that they're going to thrive in mm -hmm. because of the belief system that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, if they make it through those first two steps, we do an actual background check on people. Yeah. And, and if they join the program, they sign an NDA because we do share stories of things that we've had that I'm not going to put out on YouTube because of the sensitivity of some of the people that we've worked with that were high level, um, that, you know, we have a level of trust, you know, yeah. we're not trying to be, we're not part of the, what I call the scandal porn game where people get out there and they get on YouTube or rumble and God told me this is going to happen a week from yeah. Friday. You have to know or you're all going to die. Right. You know, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's what the Lord speaking in this environment in this day and age has been reverted to yeah. in the populated social media arena right. where people think that God speaks to only certain people. And it's always these ridiculous headlines like the whole world's going to blow up or war is coming. World War Three terrorist cells like terrorist cells. There's so many people that have had dreams about terrorist cells in the United States. That's not revelationary. Yeah, right. uh, like when I was in college, I studied terrorism like you study dreams. And people knew back then they wrote a book called The Terrorist Network in the yeah. 80s. Everybody knew all the bad guys worked together. Yeah. Everybody knew they wanted to infiltrate companies that were countries that were prosperous so they could make more money and do bad things. <laughs> like nobody cares. Like this is not a big revelationary thing. Oh my gosh, I just got this latest information. There's bad people in the world who want to hurt other people. Dude, <laughs> stop it. Like, are you Shocking. kidding? Terrorist cells. And I'm like, no, no. Go back and find out what we can actually do about it. Right. How about find out what city they're in and what building in what city they occupy? Right. See, that's what we do. We go back and we push and we say, okay, well, God, you, you have this guy in the dream. Is this figurative or literal? Mm -hmm. We saw a warehouse, we saw a building, we saw a house, we saw this kind of truck. Somebody say, I saw a white truck. What kind of truck? Well, it was like a pickup. Was it like a pickup or was it a pickup? Was it new model? Did it have rust on it? Was it a flatbed? Again, when you treat dreams like intelligence, you right. ask these questions. Would you know it if you saw it again? Yes. Do you know what it was? I don't know. I feel like it was a Ford, but I don't really know cars. Great. So we look up different white Fords and then they, yep, that was it. That mm -hmm. was the truck I saw in my dream. We've done this with historical events. Interesting. People have seen things that happened during the Kennedy administration. <coughs> and I saw a table and these were the people around the table. And there was a picture of George Washington on a wall. And it was like they were in a cabinet meeting. Okay, that's a data point. So I'll get right. on, you know, the the uh, presidential library, presidential museum site for John F. Kennedy. And I'll be like, oh, it's they're talking about XCOM. They're talking about the days of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And mm -hmm. yep, here's John. Here's his brother, Bobby. Here's mm -hmm. the commanding general. Here's these people around. Son of a gun. There's the portrait of George Washington on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then you send him a picture, a real life picture of something that happened in a dream mm -hmm. years before they were born. This is when people really freak out. Right. <clears throat> but one of the things that's cool about that is as an interpreter, you immediately begin to prove your salt because... 
they're like, I didn't know that was real, mm-hmm. but you felt that, okay, I need to go and do research. So how do we maintain integrity, which was yeah. your question, yeah. as, as interpreters? Well, one of the ways we do is what is, is kind of like a peer review model. We, we put people on teams. There may be three, four, five, six people on one mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. looking at the same dream. Mm-hmm. And they're all going through and they're all trying to discern what does the house mean? What does the cat mean? Well, a cat means this because this was my cat and he bit my big toe off and I hate cats and cats are bad. And somebody's like, no, I really like cats. I think cat was, a, well, yeah, but you know what cats meant in the Egyptian background was this. And somebody else is like, no, I think it's just talking about a tiger. Mm-hmm. And it might be referring to a particular country that has a tiger as a state, as, as a state symbol. Mm-hmm. Well, those are four different things. Right. So guess what? They need to work it out. Right. So they need to go back. Well, you know, you're right. I think I had a bad experience. So I'm going to disregard my model and I defer to the, you know, let me see if I can hear something else, you know. And so we we kind of create that group model so people can kind of hash through it and figure it out. And then they bump it up to our head of intelligence. And then there's a group at that level that looks at it. And then it comes to the executive leadership team. And of course, by this time, it's gone through multiple phases of edits, and then we write it and we put it cover letter, everything together before we would ever send information outside of our organization where mm-hmm. we've gotten to the point that the senior analysts mm-hmm. and the most senior analysts would be me mm-hmm. have agreed on what the teams have done. And we've said, yes, this is what the dream means. And it isn't any one person. It's not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. It starts out, it's not even in my hands. The bulk of the work is done by some some teams that then kick the information up. And I'm like, ah, I actually think the cat is talking about this over here. And, you know, and, and I may change a few things, but what I found is as we've trained people, probably 80% of what the teams are getting, I agree with. Mm. And so what's really good, the Bible said, is on the basis of two or three witnesses, a matter is firmly decided. So here's two ways that this works. Mm-hmm. One is about back in like the summer of last year, there was a well-known prophetic voice mm-hmm. that had a dream about the Liberty Bell. Mm-hmm. Three days later, another well-known prophetic voice has a dream about the liter- Liberty Bell. Another person that is on like the His Glory Network, part mm-hmm. of the Reawaken America tour, is a prophet, gets a prophetic word about, guess what? The Liberty yeah. Bell. So in the course of like a week, There's five different people that are either prophetic voices or dreamers that are all talking about the Liberty Bell. Now, a lot of these people know each other, Hmm. but they don't call each other every time they have a dream. Right. And so because we're looking at what everybody is saying and dreaming about, we're probably the only ones that picked up that five different people in a matter of a week or two are talking about the Liberty Bell. Mm-hmm. Why don't we commission a dossier on the Liberty Bell? Let's pull in all the dreams, interpret them in light of one another, maybe do a site visit. Yeah. Let's pull up the history of the Liberty Bell, past and stow, what is, who forged it, when was it forged, what's the scripture verse on it, when was it last rung, what does it mean, what does it mean in this era, is there anything in the news going on with the Liberty Bell? And we do a deep because in intelligence you want all the information right and so now we're doing a deep dive to what for most people feels like some arbitrary historical you know piece of memorabilia really mm-hmm. at this point it doesn't have a real basis in running our country it's not used as a bell anymore it's used mm-hmm. more as a symbol 
But God is clearly saying something in a very strong way that our nation's founding is tied to, and we're in a troubled time in our nation. So what does it mean? What would it mean if the Liberty Bell rang again? What, is it, what does the word liberty even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we begin to look at it. And so that's on the basis of two or three witnesses, a matter is firmly decided. That's two or three sources. But here's another one. Mm-hmm. There's a particular situation going on with, um, with uh, say, a scandal in the news. Okay. Right. <laughs> and say it's a political figure or a congressman, but everybody sees it. And um, I'm getting out of the shower and I'm thinking about this situation. And I'm like, man, I wonder why that's happening. And the first thing I hear is, it's a coup. Okay. Not really where I would have gone, but I don't even know what to do with that situation because I'm not connected with the congressman and I don't, you know, whatever. (laughs) But I'm like, (laughs) and by a coup, meaning they're trying to take over. Somebody wants his position, not they're trying to take over the country or anything. It's a very low level coup. But so I call a friend of mine on my leadership team and I said, hey, are you aware of this situation in the news? Yeah, I think it's a coup. How many times a day do you use the word coup? Not a lot, right? <laughs> no, not personally, no. <laughs> so I call another friend of mine in a completely another state that might have a little bit of knowledge about the information. And I said, hey, you're aware of what's going on. The first words out of their mouth, I think it's a coup. Three people right. said the exact same thing. Now, does that mean... Again, if you're an intelligence expert, that doesn't end the question. Of course. That begins the question. Right. Now it's like, okay, there's something more behind this that we're clearly not seeing and understanding. Or at least this is worth investigating <laughs> this further. This is worth investigating further. Right. Or this is something that we should, if we're not personally involved and we don't want to be personally involved, I don't want to get involved with this situation and courts and attorneys and all of that stuff. We may just pull back and say, we're going to watch what happens. But here's what we believe. Here's what we've heard. So then we can go back to God and do an RFI, a request for intelligence. God, what is really happening in this situation? And how could we affect a different outcome? If this person really didn't participate in a scandal, Mm -hmm. how could we save this person's name and their position? Mm -hmm. Or is that even something you want us involved in? And then more often than not, we may have a dream about it. And then we've had multiple people have dreams the same night about situations. I had a friend once that was stuck in Liberia mm-hmm. and <clears throat> he was doing some work out there and he went to get on the plane and they said, you need to get tested for COVID. He's like, I already did. This was like in 2021, early 2021, late 2020. <clears throat> That's 2021. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, I did. And they said, well, you need to get tested again. Okay. So he goes and gets tested and they're like, you're positive. He's like, I'm not positive. I don't have any symptoms. I don't have, and, and what, what they found out that they believe was happening is that the Liberian government was pressuring the state department to give them foreign aid based on their ability to fight COVID. And so what they were doing is they were pulling us citizens off planes and keeping them in a detention quarantine facility Hmm. in order to leverage foreign aid from the State Department, from the embassy, from the federal government in America to help them so we could get your people back to you. And he knew it. Mm -hmm. This was a guy that had worked in this type of situation before. And he was like, they took my passport. Like Uh they won't let me leave. Right. He goes, I've, you know, this was, this was a guy that had some experience in working in the military. And he's like, 
I could get out of the country. The problem is, is I'd never be allowed back in. Right. And I have business interests over here. So I want to do this the right way, but what do I do? And so we went to bed and, and, and no, no. So I, we had a meeting with our whole team. We got on a zoom call and I said, guys, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I got a friend trapped in Liberia. <laughs> All of my, my, the people in my organization are like, this is a joke. You don't know anybody in Liberia. They're like, come on, man. I, they, they thought I was making up a scenario right. to have them go pray and see if they would find out that it was a fake scenario. I'm like, guys, I'm, I promise you, this is a legitimate scenario. I got a friend trapped in Liberia, you know, and so we prayed about it. And my head intercessor said, God, I pray that they would be retested. They were only testing them like once every four days that they would be retested that they would find out they were negative and they would release all American citizens because they had like eight or 12 of them in -hmm. detention. And my friend was just one of them. Mm -hmm. And so we pray. The guy still had a cell phone and he still had my number. I had talked to him on the phone while he's in this place in quarantine in Liberia. So, Mm -hmm. so I go to sleep and I have three dreams. Okay. And the dreams are about the, the, the first dream was I'm driving down a road. And I see a van drive over the ditch and into a lake hmm. and it, the, the car is going under and I can see the guy like pawing up against the window and I'm like, he's going to drown. We got to, we got to help. Yeah. And so I pull the car off the side of the road and I run up to the van. I should never be able to run up to the van because of the van's in the middle of the lake. But by mm-hmm. the time I get up there, the van is only in a ditch and there's only the passenger tire is about this much in the ditch. And the guy's screaming and pawing at the window. And I'm like, dude, you're fine. Your car's not even anywhere near the lake. Right. It's stuck in six inches of water on the other side, on the passenger side. Mm-hmm. Like, And so that told us that the situation is not near as bad as it appears. Right. And there were two other dreams that were the same way. Well, what I do is I put my, my phone on airplane mode at night. And so when I wake up, I don't get a barrage of, right. of texts. And then I open up notes. And then I type my dreams in. And then I turn my phone on. So I type my dreams in and I'm looking at the dreams and I'm like, the situation is not near as bad as we think. I turn my phone on. It's like three in the morning. Bloop, the guy had just texted me. The weirdest thing happened. They retested me again. I'm negative, And they released all American citizens. And I'm like, exactly what we prayed happened literally like eight hours later. Wow. After, but God had given me dreams, letting mm-hmm. me know that this is going to be okay. And I got the dreams and wrote them down before I got the intel that the guy was already released and on his way back to the States. Wow. <coughs> so you're talking about turning off your, your putting your phone in airplane mode and writing down your dreams in the mornings. When I was doing the research, one of the things I found was a lot of people would say, but I don't remember my dreams. I don't remember my dreams. And I would tell everybody to write them down consistently for a full week. And I found that most people... And even if they didn't remember it, just to write down the first thing they remembered when they woke up in the morning um, and uh, they would write that down. And then, you know, usually within a week, they started to remember their dreams, if not fully, you know, at least something started to come back. Um, But what I did find was that there were people, the exceptions to that were people who had like extreme trauma, who were, they were, they were not as able to then start having dream recall like for most people it was more of just about attention it was about because a lot of us we wake up and you know immediately we're with we, that whole uh 
I think the Bible actually the term is like the thin spots. Yes. Yeah. So we, we kind of skip over that and we just rush into <laughs> go mode, uh, beta mode. Uh, but for to at least sit in that you know, and whatever that requires, but to the writing process often triggers that for a lot of people. Um, but I did find that there were a lot of people who, uh, not, not necessarily a lot, but people who had uh, either, you know, were dealing with unresolved trauma or experiencing dream trauma where they were having trouble accessing their dream. I have a couple of questions about that. I mean, for, firstly, just your thoughts on that. Um, and then uh, I guess my uh, question or maybe forming kind of a theory around that, I know, uh, you know, there's a, I, they've done a lot of like trauma-based mind control. And I'm wondering if it's because I, I feel like there's a, a lot that they, that they have done to disconnect us from our intuition. Uh, you know, people would argue they've tried to disconnect us from uh, connection to God, uh, whether that be belief in God or connect personal connection. Uh, do you think that that is something that has been um, utilized in order to have people disconnected from uh, dreams and recall? And, and what are your thoughts just on the trauma and connection to dream recall? Yeah, that's a really good question. I just yeah. sent you a text. Okay of a commercial for our course called Supercharge Your Dream Life. Okay. So, <clears throat> by the way, if you want to play the spiritual intelligence mentorship one, since we were talking about the intelligence side, yeah, might be a good time to do that now. But the, the Supercharge Your Dream Life is specifically to answer those questions. Okay. We did a whole like four hours related to what if I don't dream? What if I can't remember my dreams? How do I write my dreams down? Okay. How do I recall more dreams? It's not about interpretation at all. Mm -hmm. It's simply about how do I Just recall dreams? Yeah. yeah. What if I'm taking medication? What if I've had trauma? What if I haven't dreamed since I've had trauma? What if, yeah. all of those, there's some really, really good questions there. And it's more than we can get into. Sure. I can kind of answer a few of them. Okay. <laughs> I had PTSD. Okay. I was a rescue worker at Ground Zero after 9-11. Right. And I would have dreams of going through piles of rubble and finding my family dead in the rubble. And sometimes even myself, oh. which is very shocking in a sure. dream. When you see yourself dead there, you're like, what the heck? Or, or like one of the things that I had to do is there was a guy, we went down a tunnel, myself and a firefighter named O'Shaughnessy, good mm -hmm. Irish guy, right? Mm -hmm. We went down a tunnel and we found a guy... <laughs> Um, buried under 30 feet of rubble and mm -hmm. <laughs> we could only get, we could only get, um, there was his head in the upper part of his torso. He was a guy in a business suit. And this was like eight days after it happened. Mm -hmm. And there was a battalion firefighting chief that came down into the area we were. And he goes, guys, we've been pouring water on the fires on this thing. The ground is shifting. We've had firefighters stuck underground. We we're like 30 feet underground. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you have to get out of here. We're like, mm -hmm. what about this guy? And right. they said, get what you can. So we had to take a shovel and chop this guy in half. Whoa. A guy in a business suit in downtown New York that had been dead for eight days. And of course, that whole, like when the Bible talks about when they stabbed him and the blood and water flows thing, like that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. But the smell of that is something you never, ever, ever forget. And everybody that was in this parking garage tunnel with us was just you know, vomiting. And, but we had to get, and we got about his head and about 60 pounds of body mass was all we could get because the rest was buried under 30 feet of rubble. Mm -hmm. And so 
had some interesting dreams. I mean, mm -hmm. that was just the real life experience. Sure. It's not something anybody ever wants to see, but it, when you're in a rescue operation, there's also the recovery part yeah. where you're finding body parts, or in some cases you have to exhume what you can mm -hmm. from a body. And we do everything we can, of course, to make sure that the that the, the the dignity of the person and the body is protected and we put it in a body bag and we take it to the to the uh, <clears throat> morgue truck and there's a line and it's so surreal because you're in a line carrying a body bag that feels like a medium-sized dog and you're understanding it's it's really what's left of a full-grown man that was probably a stockbroker on the you know 97th floor and a, a priest comes up and in Latin gives last rites while you wait in line to drop off the body bag on the back of a refrigerated truck. And it was just like, so yeah. So we had some interesting dreams sure. of like people screaming and we couldn't get to them and, you know, different things like that. And so I've had what I would contest are trauma-based dreams. Sure. And so when people have those dreams, and, and I was also, uh, I was I was involved in combat when I was in the military. Right. I was in the Navy, so I wasn't like a Navy SEAL up in the mountains or what a lot of these guys did, but I was in war zones during war and, you know, some things happened. More of what I saw or was exposed to, I was exposed to much more 9-11 in New York than I was overseas, but I've seen friends taken out in body bags or, you know, with a sheet over their head and it's not a pleasant sight. You know, <clears throat> but when when there's combat vets and people like that are, that have had their best friend die in their arm with half of his face blown off or or whatever, and they continue to have this recurring dream and they can never get sleep. If you and I, I get pushback from this when I do videos and I say dreams come from God, people hate that answer if they're having these tormenting dreams because they're like, well, then God hates me. Right. Why would he give me these dreams? He keeps the mo the worst moment of my life. The day all my friends died when our Humvee blew up and I was the only guy that survived. I keep replaying in my mind, why would God ever do that? Right. And the answer is he wants to heal you. He is bringing up the issue until it's no longer an issue. But you don't just sit there and take the dream and re-experience re the trauma again and then push it down and ignore it. You seek it out and you say, what is happening? Did you remember exactly what happened? Well, no, things were different. Well, what was different? Why was it different? Let's write all the symbols down. Let's go through every single word. Let's see what the message is saying to you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you do that level, yeah, that's where the healing comes in. And most people, they, they blow it off because this is what they do with nightmares. They do the ew. Right. And they push it away. I don't like that. That made me feel uncomfortable. Now I'm mm -hmm. afraid. Now I'm this. I had a dream I was raped by my father. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. That's actually an example I have mm -hmm. is I was I was teaching in a in a setting with a bunch of prophetic um, people. It was called the Advanced Prophetic Institute in Redding, California. Okay. And there's a whole lot of people up there that go to a, an incredible, an amazing church up there. <laughs> but they believe that, you know, God loves us and he's in a good mood all the time. And he's, mm -hmm. you know, certain, certain things. And the idea that God would give somebody a dream that their father raped them is an affront to most Christians view of how they view God. Why would God do that? That's not a dream from God. Mm -hmm. And so they try to judge the veracity of the intel based on how they felt in the dream. Mm -hmm. And so they had me come up and speak. And I said, one of the biggest revelations that I've gotten and one of the things that I feel like I've learned about dreams is that all dreams come from God. Boom. A hand goes up. I'm literally 20 seconds in 
to just being introduced to speak in front of this crowd of 50 or 100 people. Mm. And this good looking, you know, 45 year old lady or so, middle aged lady raises her hand and said, I had, a, I had a dream I was raped by my father. Are you telling me God gave me that dream? I think that's a good question. That's a <laughs> right, really good right. question. I don't have a clue. I get a, I just got up here 20 seconds ago. I don't know what to tell you. But <clears throat> it's clear that everybody in the room is looking at me and they right. need an answer. Right. And I can't give this woman some core, sort of broad generalization. Sure. She needs her dream interpreted. And that's all I have to go on. Mm-hmm. And so, God help. I, I don't have a clue. And he goes, ask her how she felt. That's the most insensitive thing you could possibly ask. Really? Like, that's what you want me? I'm going to look like an idiot. Like, right. God, come on. He goes, just ask her. I said, okay, I don't always hear right. And I'm okay if I'm wrong, but I feel like I should ask you this question. How did you feel when your father was raping you? She goes, you know, I was really annoyed. <laughs> annoyed? That's, that's not, not the, the word I would expect to hear. <laughs> no, I mean, what do you mean annoyed? That She goes, well, I just wish he'd finish. I had stuff to do. So your time is inconvenient. You're looking at your yeah, watch right. like, hurry like... up, I have laundry? And she <laughs> said, yeah, pretty much. So there's no trauma. She's not right. horrified. She's not filled with rage and right. wanting to kill this guy. She's not all of these reactions you would think you would go through if that actually happened disturbed, to you. Disturbed. Very disturbed. And then right then I see this picture of a heart. And I see a black spot on the heart. And I see the hand of God moving towards the heart to touch the heart and heal. And every time he touches it, she goes, and she pulls away. And I heard, I want to heal her. But when I touch this area of her life, it feels like a violation or forced intimacy from the father. Okay. Didn't make sense to me, but hopefully it did her. I said this to her. She busts out sobbing. Wow. Says, you're exactly right. I know exactly what area he's been trying to heal me for years. I won't let him. Thank you. Pretty much changed her life. Wow. And me and everybody else in the room is like, what, that worked? Like, did you just prove that God gave her a dream that her father raped her and that God did that? And well, yeah, it was to get her to this place of healing and to bring her to such a shock value moment that she would have the courage to raise her hand to a guest speaker she'd never seen before in the middle of a context of a conference and say, I need an answer on this right now. Wow. Um, I know we're running out of time. You have somewhere to be, but I just want to respond to that because, uh, and I know I brought this up before, so my audience might think I'm a broken record, but you know, in the Torah, one of the things that uh, comes up a lot is that God wants you to question everything, including his existence. And this seems to be aligned with that because it's really, it wants you to be on the journey and asking the questions. It's not just a, uh, you know, I guess depending on your perspective, but one could interpret it as that, you know, he's willing to help and to guide and to show you and to heal, um, but not just going to hand it to you. You have to be involved in the process. You have to be willing to to seek. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that seems to be one of the ways that that would be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll show uh, the video. And uh, before we do, I guess we'll close out with that video, unless you want to comment on it after. Are, are you showing the one I just sent you or the, the, the spiritual? That, the one you just sent was, was long, though, right? You said? Oh, or it's, it's like a minute. Oh, well, either one, whichever. We can close out with the spiritual intelligence or we can or we can show that one. 
Whichever one you want to comment on, I guess. Let's show them both because okay. we talked about both of them. Let's show okay. them both and then we'll come back and we'll do it that way. What would it look like to go deeper and hear more from the Father? Imagine having more dreams, more clarity, more recall, and more divine guidance. How would this impact your walk with God? Would it accelerate your relationship, help you move into your identity and destiny at an increased pace? Announcing Supercharge Your Dream Life. You can have an explosion in your seer ability. Closer, deeper, clearer talks with the Father are one decision away. Join us in this adventure designed for such a time as this and unlock the treasure God has for you. Okay. Cool. So that's supercharger dream okay. life. And what that is, is for people who are dreaming and have questions yeah. or people who I don't dream, I want to dream. What right. about trauma dreams? What about this? What's the source of dreams? That's all dreamer related. We've never done a course like that. We get a lot of questions, like a lot of the ones that you get too. Yeah. Or what about this? And so we wanted to do a course specifically for dreamers. So that's it. Um, <clears throat> I think we're, that's available actually for, for purchase I think uh, Sunday or Monday, Ooh, um, okay. and so it's it's hot off the press. I think that might be the first time we've ever shown the commercial. Ooh. So it's hot off the presses for right. here first. <laughs> Very cool. But then we have the the spiritual intelligence mentorship. There's always a lot of interest in that when yeah. we talk about a government trained, government level. We're not the government. Government level trained intelligence analysts. We right. read a lot of books about intelligence analysis. Like we teach on the psychology of intelligence analysis. We have, we go through, they have to go through, they, as part of the course, they go through the dreams through the Bible course. So they get everything the Bible has to say okay. in every place on dreams. So they get a rock solid biblical foundation. They have a modified dreams course, as we saw earlier, a uh, uh, kind of a preview for that. That's embedded in. It's different from the regular dreams course, but it's more government and intelligence and military dreams. We have a lot of stories. We do actual debriefings of mm -hmm. briefs that we've given to certain people and how they've changed and affected things. Even even about like what's happening in an election or what's going on in in uh, you know between. We had one guy that actually got promoted on um, by the president of the United States himself, and we. That's not what the dream showed, uh -huh. but when we interpreted, I said, this is what I think is going to happen. And so I said, I think you're going to be promoted by the president of the United States. And he was, and the scenario that we had said played out pretty much exactly like we told him. And yeah. so we tell those stories in a lot more depth sure. um, <clears throat> as part of the spiritual intelligence mentorship. And then we're training people. We want a group of people that understand okay. dreams and value dreams like intelligence, like we do. And they're not just regular people who like dreams, they're people that understand things like doing hardcore research, people that understand going really, really deep, people that know how to do a level of writing that is palatable for somebody that may not be a pastor or, you know, because the dream thing has been a lot in the, in the church world. Sure. And so we want to pull people into what would it look like to give a brief to a congressman, to the president, to a governor, to the CEO of a large mm -hmm. company, you know, you're not going in there and talking about stuff that people talk about typically in churches you know we need to need to have the information presented in such a way that's that's professional and also we take 
the integrity and mm -hmm. our skills as dream analysis and analysts very, very seriously. And so we train them at a, as a high level. So the introduction into that whole world is the spiritual intelligence mentorship. Awesome. Do we have that video? We'll play that and then we'll- We live in a world. We live in a world with much confusion, propaganda, and outright lies. It's hard to know what's real, what's false, and what's really going on. Do you have even one source that you can trust? And I mean really trust. Can you imagine leading a state or an army or a nation in this environment? What if you heard from God every day about your life, your purpose, and your future, and you understood with clarity what to do? Imagine hearing so clearly that he even trusted you with intelligence to advise leaders desperate for answers. Hi, I'm John Reddenbow, and I have the honor of leading the Spiritual Intelligence Mentorship, an in-depth program where a team of people work with you in a highly structured atmosphere to teach you how to decode the encrypted language of God through things. If you're up for the challenge, I invite you to apply today. Register at spiritualintel.com. We begin August 15th. So that's very awesome. I can see why a lot of people are really interested in doing that. I, I'm curious to take that. Uh, do you, it, have you found people, I, I guess, just through the people you've worked with, because you said you have worked with people in intelligence, direct, like actual government intelligence. So have you found like that having access to the dreams, like, I don't know. I'm I, I'm being careful about how I word it, just because sure. I, I'm sure you can't reveal like very, or maybe you can. But I I'd just be curious, like if there was something you could share, like that was really uh, revelatory or shocking that people that that changed the course possibly of history through. Um, let me tell you a story of okay. somebody that I know. Okay. Um, so we'll keep it real general. Okay. Yeah. So somebody that I know. Um, had a friend that had a dream and the dream was about a terrorist activity mm -hmm. um, involving an explosion. Okay. And they saw times, dates, locations. They saw different things that they would not know mm -hmm. without knowing the situation, but they got all these facts in the dream. Here's the time. Here's this. Here's that. Here's what's happening and what's playing out. And they sent it to a friend of mine who happens to work in federal law enforcement. And it sounded like, man, there's a lot of details. What if we looked up these details, started looking up details and we're like, wow, all of this information, the times, dates, the locations of when this event is going to happen, they're all accurate. There's no way this person would know that. So they sent a local person to go out and begin to investigate. They found that something smelled funny. They evacuated the area they found the bomb and it saved the lives of probably 300 people. Wow. Based on a dream. That's astounding. Wow. What, um, are there certain types of people? Cause you were saying that you do a lot of vetting. So obviously the character of a person would be, uh, important, but I'm wondering if there are certain types of people who would be more suited to, uh, entering a program like this. Well, I, I, I love, um, ex-military, ex-law mm -hmm. enforcement, current military, current law enforcement, people in intel, mm -hmm. <clears throat> because they have a natural propensity for research and mm -hmm. for digging deeper and for writing reports and things like that. Right. But I'll tell you, our demographic is about 80% 
women between the ages of 45 and 80. Interesting. So there's a lot of mamas and grandmas that are intercessors that care about America, that pray for America. And God begins to give them dreams about like President Trump. And they go and they tell their pastor and their pastor doesn't know what to do with this. Right. Oh, Ethel, you had another dream. That's <laughs> cute. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I feel like this is important. And we tell those people, send us your dreams. But right. a lot of them are like, well, what do you do with them? Well, right. we interpret them. Well, I want to learn how to do that. Well, yeah. okay. So they join the spiritual intelligence mentorship. And we got grandmas and great grandmas that their kids probably think they're nuts because they don't <laughs> want to hear all their crazy dreams. But they're working with us on, on uh, you know, international affairs or whatever. We have dreams about Russia and China and putting these pieces together. And so we're doing all this research about the, the key players and looking at other dreams related to these topics. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, I can imagine it is. I'm not entirely surprised just because I, I do think that, I mean, I think men have strong intuition too, but there, there's a difference in uh, women tend to have very receptive type of intuition. And I think uh, culturally they're more encouraged to, although I think they're, that that's being less true now um, because I think they, they do kind of laugh at, you know, intuitions and, uh, that kind of uh, thing. But I think women are more encouraged and more, it's more culturally acceptable for them to be connected to their intuition, to talk about things like dreams. And so, and certainly I think, uh, you know, grandmothers and people that they're definitely more wired to trust their intuition because they've had to do so to protect their children. And well, and not to say that we can't use guys or even 20 year olds. No, but, no, I'm not. I'm not one of the yeah. Things, yeah. But one of the things that, that we found really interesting is there's been a lot of places in the church that for some reason um, insecure men have prevented women from being pastors or bringing on the mm -hmm. pulpit or, you know, or, or whatever. And we believe we call spiritual intelligence, a new movement in the mm -hmm. prophetic. And we believe it's literally like a cutting edge movement of what God is doing is he's wanting more accurate information where we dive deeper, we get more details and there's actual tactics and strategy of what we do. And what we found in that, as we've pressed into that and said, God, what does that look like? We've had multiple dreams about women as leaders and about mm -hmm. women. And so we feel that spiritual intelligence will be largely occupied by women and even led by women as a movement because we make space for that because of dreams that we've had. And we believe that that is part of the destiny of women in this generation. Fascinating. Well, I, th I think we could go on for several more hours. Probably. I, I, <laughs> um, I mean, let's, we could, we'll do a part two if you're open sure, to it. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's continue the conversation. Uh, if you have anything else you want to add, please do. And of course, tell everybody where they can find, find you, find the courses, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. This was so fun, by the way. Thank you for having me on. Thank I really you. Enjoyed this. And Thank I love you. the fact that you actually have a background in studying dreams and you care about dreams. And a lot of people, they like the stories and the intel stuff, but you actually love dreams. Yeah. And it's something that you care about. So it's been fun being here with you. Thank you. Um, Likewise. Probably the easiest way to find me is dreamlifedecoded.com. Just dreamlifedecoded. And we do a lot on dreamlifedecoded um, on YouTube. We're still on YouTube. I guess, guess they realize we're talking about dreams. And so nobody really cares in, okay. in, in that world. Right. You know, if we're talking about the election, we're talking about dreams about the election. And so it's like, I, I am on Rumble, but I have a much smaller base on Rumble. Sure. We have so much more of what we do on YouTube. We have uh, private groups on Facebook, too, that if people want to send in a dream or put a dream on a Facebook page, we have, you know, 1,200 other people that... <laughs> 
that we know and work with us that can can help to uh, interpret that dream or or whatever that have been some a lot of them have been through some level of training not all of them but if they're on dream life decoded there's a place that they can request more information we can send them all of our resources um, there's courses on there where every course that we have talked about will be on Black Friday special starting, I think, Sunday. So they can see all of those. And if they're interested, we'd, we'd love to help them and guide them on their journey in hearing God-born dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, we'll definitely continue and do part two. This is fascinating. It. All right. fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you for watching. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.